welcome back to the killer kind it's been a while guys and i'm so sorry for that the gist of it is is that i thought i could handle it all but i couldn't which i hate to even admit but i hope you're all doing well i've missed you guys and i'm excited to be back if you remember from last episode we were about to hit 5,000 listens and i'm happy to announce that we did it yay we actually hit 5,000 like a day or two after the last episode came out if I remember correctly. So, so exciting. I posted the giveaway on the podcast Instagram and I chose the winner. They won a true crime Tumblr and a $10 Amazon gift card. I honestly love doing giveaways. I always discover new listeners that I didn't know I had. They really come out of the woodworks, (laughs) but it's always exciting to see. But anyways, moving on, let's talk about today's case. Now, this is a case that has stuck with me since I first heard it about four or five years ago, five or six years ago, something like that. This is the case that haunts me, honestly, to this day and genuinely started my fear of cruise ships. (laughs) First, I'll say I've just never had the opportunity to go on a cruise and I really have never had the desire. But after hearing this case, I really had zero desire. I don't trust them. I don't trust the people on them. To me, it's a breeding ground for kidnappers sorry some of you may like them and I'm not trying to change your mind and I won't say I'll never go on one either but mainly because I know my husband's family wants to go on a cruise they've been talking about it for years now and honestly I would have considered it maybe before I had a child but now that I have a little girl I can't even fathom the thought of having her on a cruise ship I'd be a paranoid freak first of all there's just no way I'd be able to relax I'm the first one to have FOMO, but I told my husband that if they want to go on a cruise, I'll just stay home with Blake. We'll we'll stay home. We'll ha- we'll be just fine. <laughs> so now that I've luckily put the fear in your mind, let's jump into today's case and scare you even more. <laughs> let's dive into the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. Amy Lynn Bradley was born in Petersburg, Virginia on May 12, 1974 to Ron and Iva Bradley. Amy went missing on March 24, 1998 at just 23 years old from a Royal Caribbean cruise line called the Rhapsody of the Seas. But before we get into that, let's go over a little bit more of Amy's backstory. So Amy had attended college at Longwood University in Virginia on a basketball scholarship. One report said she was actually the first student at the school to receive a full ride through a sports scholarship, which is pretty awesome. Amy graduated with a degree in physical education, and she was planning on starting a new job at a computer consulting firm. Ahead of starting her new job, though, Amy decided to join her brother, Brad, and their parents on a family vacation on the Rhapsody of the Seas cruise that would be going to Aruba, and the final destination to Curacao. This was actually a trip that Amy's dad had won through his work, and originally it was just supposed to be him and Iva, but they decided to invite the kids along as well. Amy was a little hesitant to go because she was always nervous to travel. She didn't really like to fly, and she was nervous about being on the water, but she really seemed ready to face her fear, and she ended up being pretty excited about it. She ended up going to the tanning bed before the trip, said she'd be nice and tan, and she was ready. So, the cruise was leaving from Puerto Rico, so the family had to fly from Virginia to Puerto Rico. 
Now, since Ron Bradley had won this trip through his work, like I said, his and Iva's plane tickets were already paid for. So the two of them flew out about an hour before Brad and Amy. But the entire family made it to Puerto Rico with no problem. They did have to stay a night in Puerto Rico before the cruise departed, and it was during that time that Amy visited a little souvenir shop, and she bought a postcard to send to one of her friends. On that postcard, she wrote, Hey girl, it's beautiful here. We leave for Aruba tomorrow, and I'll be home Saturday around 10. I point that out because it's important to know that she had every intention on coming back from this trip. Now, like I said, the family was going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, and this cruise ship was massive. It was 11 stories high, 915 feet long, and 106 feet wide. There was a crew of around 765 people, and it had room for 2,435 guests. That right there is why I don't go on cruises. <laughs> there is no need for that many people to be in one place at the same time, basically stuck together. <laughs> I'd say I'm kidding, but I'm not at all. Anyways, the crew set sail on March 21st, 1998. Their first stop was in Aruba. The family got off the boat and spent the day exploring and shopping. And after spending the majority of the day together in Aruba, the family got back onto the boat they all showered and got ready for dinner that night. They took the classic family cruise picture and then all ate dinner and spent time together talking about their trip so far. All was well. After dinner, the family split up. Ron and Iva went to get drinks with some of, some of the other co-workers of Ron's who were also on the trip. And Brad and Amy hung out together. Now, let me back up for a second. So during the dinner, family noticed a waiter that was constantly watching Amy. He just seemed to be creeping on her, which definitely made Amy uncomfortable, but I'm sure nobody really thought much about it at the time. However, that waiter ends up coming up to Amy asking if she was interested in getting off the boat later that night and going to a club in Aruba with him. Amy said no, she was not interested, and that was that. After dinner, Amy and Brad changed into casual clothes and went to explore the boat a little bit, and they ended up actually gambling in the casino. They each won about $150, actually, so they did pretty well. And after gambling, Amy and Brad met back up with their parents, and they all decided to go to this, like, disco club and watch the limbo contest. And I believe they all actually ended up participating in the contest, and Brad ended up winning the contest, which is pretty funny. After that was over, Ron and Iva went back to their room because they were tired and ready to go to bed for the night. Brad and Amy decided to stay and hang out, however. While while there, Amy started to have a conversation with the bassist in the band. The band was called The Blue Orchid, and they were playing at this club during the night. The guy's nickname was Yellow, which was short for High Yellow, which was apparently a Caribbean slang for light black skin. His real name was Alistair Douglas. The two ended up dancing together, which there's actually video footage of the two dancing online. You can find it on YouTube, I think, if you if you just look it up. Alistair and Amy dancing or something along those lines. At around 2.45 a.m., Amy's mom noticed that the kids had not made it back to the room, so she went to go check on them at the club, and she said that she saw Brad dancing with some girls, and she saw Amy talking to the bass player and some of the other band members. 
It's my understanding that she didn't actually speak to either one of them at this point, but she saw that they were okay, so she went back to her room and went back to bed. At around 3.45 a.m., Brad went back to the room for the night. He initially came back to the room by himself, but Amy came back about 5-10 minutes later. And after that, they both got back to the room. Brad and Amy went out onto the balcony to smoke a cigarette. Now, this is a private balcony. Nobody has access to that balcony, just FYI. Ron actually woke up at some point and asked Amy to turn off the bathroom light, and he saw her turn it off and walk back out on the balcony with her brother. Brad said the two just sat there and talked, laughed about the limbo contest, just talked about the trip and how they were going to go jet skiing the next day. Just your normal chit-chat. Sometime later, Brad said he was going to go to bed, and Amy said she'd be right behind him. Brad told her he loved her and good night. And that was the last time that Brad ever saw his sister. At 5.30 a.m., Amy's dad woke up and looked out on the balcony. And from his vantage point, all he could see were Amy's legs. So he just assumed that she had fallen asleep out there. So he decided to just let her sleep because the family was supposed to wake up pretty early that day anyways. Like within the next 30 minutes to an hour or so. And get ready to explore Curacao for the day. However... Just 30 minutes later at 6 a.m., Ron woke up for the day and Amy was gone. Her cigarettes and lighter were gone as well, but her shoes were still outside. So it's assumed she wasn't going anywhere far if her shoes were still outside. And it's important to know that all of her shoes that she had brought on the trip were accounted for in the room. So she was obviously barefoot. Ron said that when he noticed she was gone, he left to try to find her. He just assumed that she was on the main deck, getting coffee, getting breakfast, or something along those lines. However, he said it was very much unlike Amy to leave and not tell anyone where she was going. Ron ended up searching for Amy for almost a full hour before he went back to the room to tell Iva and Brad what was going on. Iva knew something was wrong as soon as she saw Ron, and she said his face was just different. He, she could tell something was wrong and that he was in a panic. And when he told her that he couldn't find Amy, Iva and Brad jumped up and frantically went searching the boat to see if they could find her. After having no luck, they met with the captain. And to put it into perspective for you, the boat had docked at Curacao at around 5.30 a.m. However, passengers were not allowed to depart from the boat until later that morning. So by the time they discovered Amy missing, they knew she had to still be on the boat. Ron and Iva asked the captain to please not let passengers leave the boat that morning. Iva suggested that the captain ask everyone to go to their muster stations, which in a nutshell, a muster station is a designated meeting point for passengers during an emergency, typically on the open deck by the lifeboats. Um, The captain would call for everyone to go to the muster stations during a state of emergency type situation. And that definitely would have been the best thing to do at this point. However, the captain refused. He said that he would conduct a search for Amy, but he wouldn't make an announcement or close off the ship. He said he didn't want to worry any of the other passengers. There was an announcement made, though, at 7.50, and that announcement was just that, quote, would Amy Bradley please come to the purchase desk, which is basically guest services. With that being the only effort made in the initial search for Amy, the Bradleys did everything they could to search the entire ship on their own. 
Now, prior to that little announcement made by the captain, Brad had a pretty chilling run-in with that Alistair Douglas, a.k.a. Yellow, the bass player that had mentioned Amy was dancing with at the club the night before. Alistair came up to Brad and said, Sorry to hear about your sister. Again, this was before anyone knew about Amy being missing. At this point, only the Bradleys, the captain, and the security team knew what was going on. There's a chance he could have found out um, or caught wind of it from someone on the crew, but she hadn't been gone long enough for him to make a statement like that, in my opinion. It's unclear exactly how the conversation went down, but I've heard this statement multiple times, and it's just bone-chilling, honestly. So, after the initial search by the family and after pleading with the captain and crew to not let the passengers leave the ship, the boat is docked and the passengers ascend on Curacao as planned. The Bradleys remain on the boat and continue to search for Amy the entire day. At some point, we found we found out that two passengers heard what was going on and reported seeing Amy around 6 a.m. that morning and they confirmed she was barefoot, walking with her cigarette and lighter. They said she was headed to or was on the elevator headed towards the club area. Now, some reports said that she was seen with Alistair Douglas at this time, but I only read that in like one or two reports out of like the 10 that I read. So I can't confirm that she was actually seen with Alistair, but either way, she was seen out walking on the ship during the six o'clock hour. And I'd say it's pretty obvious that she looked to be okay or else the two witnesses would have pointed that out as well now other than that nobody sees amy that day at around 5 p.m the family got word that the crew of the ship had completed their search and amy was never found the family was told they should probably lead the ship to search for amy in curacao because it was pretty clear that she was no longer on the boat the crew did tell the family that they will be leaving with or without them, and I'm sure the Bradleys knew they couldn't leave Curacao without conducting a full search there. So, the family leaves the boat, and they go book a hotel in Curacao. From their hotel, they called friends and family to let them know what was going on, and they even contacted the United States Embassy. The following morning at around 6 a.m., the local law enforcement started searching for Amy. Initially, authorities suspected that she may have fallen overboard or was pushed or committed suicide, but it seemed unlikely since Amy was a trained lifeguard and a strong swimmer. They conducted searches by airplane as well as on foot and by car. They had three helicopters as well as a British warship because, again, at first they were thinking this, she fell overboard. I mean, they had cargo ships and regular fishing boats on the water, they had literally all hands on deck trying to find this young woman with no luck. Iba's brother, John, actually contacted the FBI during this time, and they started their own investigation. And one shocking bit of information that the FBI determined was that the cruise ship did not actually conduct a detailed search like they made it seem. Come to find out, they just searched the common areas. They didn't search anyone's rooms. Which, duh, the family had already searched the common areas, like the deck, the pool, etc. They knew she wasn't there. So needless to say, the Bradley family was pissed. The only reason they even got off the boat was because they were thinking there was no chance she was still on it. Because of the search that the crew supposedly conducted. 
Once they found this out, the family, along with the FBI, flew to St. Thomas to meet the Rhapsody of the Seas cruise liner at their next port, which is at St. Thomas. They boarded the ship and confronted the captain, telling him they knew he didn't search the ship like he said they did. So now the FBI was stepping in to search the boat and conduct their own investigation. They did a bomb search. They brought in search dogs. The FBI made the captain give the announcement that Amy was missing and that they were looking for her. I mean, they really did everything they could. But at this point, it had already been a couple of days since she went missing, and it was clear she wasn't on the boat, even after the FBI searched it. But at this point, there was no way of knowing where she was. She could have been in Curacao. She could have been in St. Thomas. She could literally be anywhere at this point. And that's the most frustrating part of this whole story is that had the cruise liner conducted the extensive search and not let anyone off the boat until they did that, they more than likely could have found Amy and that she wouldn't be missing. She would be found. And there's just no doubt in my mind. Now, since there were eyewitnesses that said they saw Amy with Alistair Douglas, and since he made that strange comment to Amy's brother Brad, the FBI knew they had to question him first. He agreed to a polygraph, and surprisingly, he passed. However, when being interviewed by police, his story completely changed. He said that he didn't know anything about Amy, of course. He said he didn't make any comment like that to Brad, and he had nothing to do with Amy on that trip at all. And when he walked out of the interview, the Bradleys were standing there, and Alistair sort of winked and gave the thumbs up to them. I mean piece of crap and Ron said it's all that he could do to not attack this guy right then and there he knew he had something to do with his daughter's disappearance but anyways another strange thing that comes up during the FBI's investigation is that when you go on cruises they supposedly take your picture throughout the trip and their goal is for you to buy some of them at the end of the trip apparently every passenger gets like some sort of ticket to access all the pictures and at the end of the trip and then they had the opportunity to buy whatever they want, whichever ones they want, or something like that. Because again, I've never been on a cruise, so I don't really know how that works. But that's just what I've gathered from looking into this case. So apparently, there were no pictures of Amy. Like all of her pictures were just missing. Everyone else's on that trip had been accounted for. And honestly, that's something that just gives me the chills once again. And the family felt the same way. This was when they really thought this could be some sort of conspiracy. Like all of the crew was in on it. And this was some sort of organized kidnapping or human trafficking scheme. And I can't say that I blame them. On March 28th, 1998, the family ultimately returned home. Because there was nothing more that they felt they could do. However, when they returned home, they made it their mission to bring national awareness to Amy's disappearance. They got everyone in the neighborhood to put up yellow ribbons. They had interviews with local news stations and really started to get the word out. However, at some point after they got home, they got a pretty chilling phone call from a Spanish-speaking taxi driver who said he was picking up passengers from the cruise liner when it made its way back to Puerto Rico, where, again, it originally boarded from. This guy said that he saw what looked to be Amy leaving the boat with a man and was being forced into another taxi cab. If that story is true, then that means that she was on the boat the whole time. 
But where was she being held? How could no one have found her? Nonetheless, the Bradleys gave that tip to the FBI and hoped they would follow up with that. And after eight months, they found out the FBI did not follow that lead at all. Once they realized they weren't getting the help they wanted from the FBI any longer, they decided to hire their own sort of private investigator. And this guy's name was Frank Jones. He said that he would go down to Puerto Rico and try to find Amy. He would try to infiltrate these human trafficking rings in order to find her, thinking that's probably where she's at. He just needed money to fund his efforts. Okay? The Bradleys were more than willing to pay. But it was actually Ron's boss that ended up paying this guy. And this guy would send pictures of what looked like Amy. In one of the pictures, it was a picture of her from behind. And in it, you could see what looked to be her Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball tattoo that was on her upper left shoulder blade, I believe. And you could see a tattoo on her ankle, which matched Amy's tattoos. So... He'd seen these pictures back, basically saying that he's found Amy. And he's like, I just have to move carefully, and as soon as I can, I'll extract her and bring her home to you. So, it gets to the point where he's ready for the extraction. But he says he needs $100,000. Again, Ron's boss has been given this guy the money that he's asked for so far. But before he gives him the 100000 which is a lot, he says that he wants to send somebody down there to see if this Frank Jones guy is doing what he's supposed to be doing. And come to find out, he wasn't. He was just down there drinking and hanging out. I mean, this piece of garbage was staging pictures of Amy to send back to the family. Thankfully, he was persecuted and locked up for all of that. I mean, I can't imagine how angry the Bradleys must have been after finding this out. They really thought they were about to get their daughter back. And then to find out this guy was just scamming them the whole time for money. Not to mention all the time they wasted dealing with this guy. It's disgusting what this guy did to that poor family. There's just a special place in hell for someone like that. Since then, there have been a number of legitimate sightings of Amy Bradley since her disappearance. In August of 1998, a Canadian computer engineer provided a a pretty intriguing lead when he correctly described her tattoos to investigators. The man claimed seeing Amy being walked down by two men on a beach in Curacao five months after she disappeared. Then, in January 1999, there was another possible sighting of Amy. A U.S. Navy petty officer claimed to have witnessed a woman who identified herself as Amy Bradley and asked for help at a Curacao's brothel. Sadly, he said that he had decided not to report the incident at the time, fearing that he would get into trouble with the U.S. Navy for having been in a brothel in the first place, and he only contacted Amy's family after he had retired and saw her picture in a magazine. In March of 2005, a woman claimed to have witnessed a woman matching Amy's description in a department store's restroom in Barbados. She was accompanied by three men, and sketches had been made of the unidentified woman and the three men as well. Although the Barbados woman has never been conclusively identified as Amy Bradley. Obviously, we know that foul play is strongly suspected in Amy's disappearance, even though no evidence has been found to support that theory. 
Meanwhile, the Bradleys sued the Royal Caribbean Cruise Line for negligence and wrongful death. A $250,000 reward is being offered by the family to anyone who provides information leading to the safe return of Amy Lynn Bradley. A $50,000 reward is offered for information leading to her verifiable location. And the FBI is offering a $25,000 reward for information leading to her recovery. Now, with traveling starting to pick back up, now that the world is slowly starting to reopen, I highly encourage anyone and everyone to look out for Amy. She could be anywhere at this point, honestly. Although she's believed to be in Puerto Rico or Curacao, who knows, even Barbados. So if you just so happen to visit any part of the Caribbean islands, please look around. Please keep an eye out. She is a white female She's five foot seven inches tall, and at the time of her disappearance, she weighed about 120 pounds. She had short brown hair. It's believed to have been dyed blonde after her disappearance, and she has green eyes. There have been some age progression photos put out fairly, fairly recently. I'll include those in the episode post over on the podcast Instagram page at killer.kind.pod for you to go check out. And a couple other things to point out, she has a belly button ring and multiple ear piercings, several tattoos, including a Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball, I believe, on her upper left shoulder blade that I already mentioned, a green and blue gecko lizard around her navel, a Chinese symbol on her right ankle, and a primitive Chinese sun tattooed on her lower back. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Amy Bradley, please contact the Federal Bureau of Investigation at 202-324-3000 or call the We Help the Missing tip line at 866-660-4025. Now, before we conclude today's episode, I want to point out a few other facts I found while researching Amy's case. One being that the Royal Caribbean Cruises reputation when it comes to situations like this is not good, to say the least. In July of 2005, George Allen Smith mysteriously disappeared after a night of drinking with a group of men aboard the Brilliance of the Seas cruise, which was owned by Royal Caribbean. Him and his wife Jennifer were on their honeymoon when he vanished. A bloodstain was discovered on the ship deck under Smith's room and small marks of blood were found on the bed sheets. Turkish police quickly ruled it an accidental death stating that he went overboard. The crew aboard the ship cleaned Smith's room less than two days after his disappearance And by the time the FBI stepped in, there was little to no evidence left. Smith's family have said they don't believe his disappearance was an accident, and they believe foul play was involved. This was a case I had on my list to cover before Amy's case, but when I saw it, I was immediately reminded of Amy's disappearance and knew that I had to cover that one first. But anyways, according to cruisejunkie.com, more than 300 people went, quote, overboard while on cruises between 1995 and 2019. More than a third of those were reported missing, 
while others were reported as suicides and jumps. Family members of those victims fear that they are actually kidnapped or murdered. According to the U.S. Department of Transportation, two U.S. citizens disappeared while on cruises during the three-month period of July 1, 2019 and September 30, 2019. Records also show 35 allegations of a sexual assault, two cases of aggravated assault, five thefts of more than $10,000, and two attempts of sabotage reported to the FBI. The actual number of crimes committed could be much higher since the data only accounts for crimes involving U.S. nationals. So, what do you think happened to Amy? You can probably guess what I think, and it's simple. I believe she was human trafficked, and Alistair Douglas and other members of the crew were in on it. I'm sorry, that's just, there's just no other way around it. All the sightings of her in these brothels that were being accompanied by men and her asking for help, to me, those sightings are legitimate. That's Amy, and she was taken against her will, and she's being held hostage somewhere. And she's probably being used in sex trafficking. That's just the worst possible outcome. But unfortunately, I think that's the answer. I think that's what's happening. And human trafficking is a very real thing. It's, And the reality is that cruise ships are a breeding ground for those looking for their next victim. I'm not saying don't go on a cruise ever again. But I'm just saying that you have to be aware of your surroundings in places like that and in these foreign countries you step off into you can't trust anyone I mean I have that mentality every single day of my life but more so on vacation or on a cruise I mean god forbid I ever get forced to go on one one day but that's just where my head's at guys and I I want to know if I changed your mind about cruises I want to know if I ruined cruises for you forever I hope I didn't But again, maybe I hope I did. (laughs) Just because I want everybody to be safe. Um, But that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I was a day late. And if we're being technical, I'm a week and a day late. I caught a stomach bug Easter Sunday. And I I was fine for church that morning. But then after that, I started to get nauseous and just didn't feel great. Then when I got home that's when it really hit the fan. (laughs) I won't torture you with the gory details, but I was basically on death's door for like 18 hours. I slept so hard and I physically don't remember my husband and child waking up and leaving for the day, even though my husband told me that I was awake and talking to both of them, which is kind of scary. But when I say I was dead, I mean it. (laughs) So rough start to my week, but I hope you all had a better start to yours. I hope you all had a great Easter and I can't wait to be back again in two weeks with another case. Until then, stay safe. Bye guys.